I want to tell you a story about Amy Windeary. She's a runner, or was, now is, almost gave it up. In 2017, she had, by November, run four half marathons already. And she was just not feeling it. And then she got a call from Nike about a team relay. It's called Hood to Coast in Oregon. It's a 199-mile relay. It's done with 12 people. You have two vans. You pile six people into each van. And you get three legs of the relay that are anywhere between five and six miles. And so what happens is that first person takes off and the van carries the rest of the team. And then when you get to your end, the van is there and you get into the van and then somebody else gets out and they go for 199 miles. It changed her life to go through the experience. She said when they called, she was really considering whether she wanted to keep running. She just didn't have the energy anymore. It wasn't the same fun it was before. When they called, she wasn't sure what to do. She decided, oh, I mean, I've kind of been training. Maybe I'm ready. We'll try this thing. And yet, this is what she learned. She wrote, when it's your turn to run, normally you run alone. But nothing about this race and being part of this team was solitary. It was straight-up team effort. Each time I ran, I knew that at some point, my van would drive by, slow down next to me so I could hear everyone screaming my name and cheering me on. When I was done running and got back in the van, I was showered with high fives and smiles and handed water and snacks. There became such an excitement in her for running again as a team. That is what the writer of Hebrews does as we open up chapter 12. He wants to talk about the Christian life as a team, as a relay, and as a really long one. Not as like the relay where you just, you know, you run the one lap and hand the baton off. This is this 199-mile relay. And he wants to describe some things that are true about us so that he can say, because of that, the Christian life has a direction. Now, what I'm going to do, because he's going to give three things for us to do based on this information that I will talk about, I have a couple of props to help me with these three things. I've got a pair of crutches that I will talk about got a suitcase that I will talk about, and I've got an animal tracker. Each one of these will represent something he wants to say. Will you pray with me? Father, as we turn to your word, we pray for open hearts and minds. We pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would help us to hear with spiritual ears. Lord, and to be transformed to be more like Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. All right, I want to invite you to open up your Bibles if you have them or if you want to grab the ones in the pews.
to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, which is on page 1717. The first thing the author of Hebrews does is he's going to draw a conclusion from everything he's been talking about for the last 11 chapters. And it's his conclusion that then provides the points that he'll make. Page 1717, Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that's his conclusion. Therefore, since this is true, the truth is we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. And he's just given those witnesses, or at least the primary ones that he's referring to, all through chapter 11. Some of you might have gone home and read that chapter. I said, I can't read all this last week, but I encourage you to go read this to see all of the people who were faithfully following Yahweh, who in faith stepped out and did incredible things they could not have done without faith. Last week was all about that faith. And he says, now today... We are surrounded by those same witnesses, right? Very specific word. They witness to two things. Number one, faith actually does have power. They testify. Their lives testify to that. Their lives tell us that when we will trust God, we can step out and do things we could never do without trusting him. And over and over and over their lives show that. However, he's using this in a present tense. We are surrounded by them now because we are on a massive spiritual team that goes through all time and space. We are carrying forward the message of Jesus that started with them and has kept going. This is part of the relay. And these guys have already made it. They are there waiting for us. They've done their run. They're the ones in the van who come up beside us and are cheering us on because they've already done their run. And we're looking to them and going, we're still part of it. He says, because their lives testify to the power of faith and because They have already shown us this, and we're continuing the race. Because of those things, I want you to do what I'm about to tell you. But that's the part that has to sink in. Here's something else that Amy wrote. When I'm just out running on my own time, stopping to take a break impacts no one but me. And earlier in the article, she had described how when she would run these marathons... She might stop and walk a little bit, but it didn't impact anybody but her. And if I don't personally care whether I stop or not, then I'm often going to do it, even though I know I can physically keep pushing. Notice what she just said. I could keep going, but when I'm only on my own, it's just too easy to stop. But having an entire van of amped up people waiting for me to finish my part so that the next person can get going and keep the momentum rolling 
it really lit a fire under my bottom. (laughs) It's not what she wrote. (laughs) But what she's saying is exactly what the author of Hebrews is saying. Once I understood, I was running for a team, and my team is cheering me on. Once I understood, it's not just about me. And they've succeeded already, and I'm part of that. It changes my whole mindset, and I want to run differently. And the author of Hebrews is saying, I want you to run differently. Here's how. Here are the three things that he says. Go back into the text. Number one, back in verse one, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. All right, number one, if it's true that we're part of the team, if it's true that faith works, if it's true that we want to run with new uh, desire and energy, first thing, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Now, these things are actually intertwined. They're not really two separate things. One is a big category. One is something specific in it. So in Greek, hinders is this word that means to stand in the way. It somehow gets in the way. It's an obstacle that would keep you from going forward in the right way. Especially that sin that so easily entangles. It's a word that means to constrict. And you would think of it like you could breathe, but not as well as you normally could. Like you're, you're constricted a little and you're like, I'm not getting breath quite in. That sin does that. And here's the idea behind it, and I want us to see this because the sin that so easily entangles, please think right now with me about your own life. All of us have this. For you, maybe it's anger. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's pride. Now, we all probably have a number of those things in our lives we struggle with, but there's something that we fall back on. There's a sin that is like this. All right. First object, these are my son's crutches. Crutches are here to allow you, when you are wounded, when you're broken, to be able to still move. So they do something positive. However, my son is no longer on these crutches. Because here's the thing about crutches. Yes, maybe when something is broken, I can walk better with them. But at some point, I need to get rid of them because I will never be able to run as fast with them as I can without them. Sin that he is talking about, it is like a crutch. Why? Because our sin is comfortable. Our sin is the way that we handle stress. Our sin is the way we handle things we don't like. The reason that we turn to the negative, destructive things is because they are easier and more comfortable than trusting God. But if we keep doing it, we will never run the race the way we're able to. He says, you've got to get rid of them. Anything that's standing in the way. You need to think about the fact that you're on this team. You need to think about the fact that faith works. 
And then anything that stands in the way, anything you're falling back into, anything you're using instead of trusting in God, get rid of it. Throw off everything that hinders. That's his first part. Number two, go back into our text. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Number two, we have to run with perseverance. The first thing I said is this is not a sprint. This is not a a relay where you run once around and it's done. This is a lifelong journey of faith. It needs perseverance. It is too easy, and, and some of you may have experienced this, moments where you feel like you're just on fire for God and then you burn out. Moments where things are going really well and you're thinking, yes, this is great, and then other moments where you're like, where is God? Where is my faith? Because the faith journey requires perseverance. When we go on trips, here's my second thing here. When we take trips as a family, when we pack up to go on the road, by time we get all six people into the van and all of the suitcases packed and all of the backpacks packed and all of the stuffed animals in and all of the blankets and everything else, I will tell you what our van looks like. It looks like a botched robbery. It's like somebody has gone into a room and is looking for an item, and they've decided to pull everything out of every drawer, and every drawer out of the entire desk, everything. They have pulled the sheets off, they have pulled everything, and then you walk into the room. That's what our inside of our van looks like. When we pull into a rest stop to use the restroom, kids have to be guided out. So they step over each other and everything else, and as we're taking off, my wife will say, oh, they're all in, and they have to answer verbally because we cannot see them. They are covered by so much stuff. But that's because we've prepared for a long trip. That would be absolutely ridiculous to do if we were going to Hy-Vee to get donuts on a Saturday morning. All right, kids, pack up the suitcases and the backpacks and the stuffed animals and everybody pile in and let's go to Hy-Vee and get donuts and come home. Because we're going on a real trip, we need it. But that's not that. Your Christian life is a journey. It's a trip. And you need to pack and prepare for it. Here are things that that might entail. You need to tell yourself right now, you're going to have ups and downs in your Christian life. You're going to have moments of belief and doubt. You're going to have moments of joy and sadness. You're going to have moments where your faith is on top of the world and moments where you're really struggling. That's all part of the journey. Don't let those things make you go, oh, maybe I'm not a Christian anymore. Oh, or maybe this whole thing isn't real. That's actually part of the journey. Pack it in the suitcase. We need daily time with God. However, and I'm just going to say it to every area, most of you don't need an hour a day of alone time with God. You can't handle it. You'll burn out. You'll feel guilty. You'll wonder why this thing isn't working, and then you'll just stop. I can't tell you the number of times I know believers have made New Year's resolutions that they're going to read the entire Bible over the next year, and they make it through the first two weeks. 
and then they just fall off the wagon. We do need daily time with God, but we need to plan for the long haul. It's not a month of trying to read the scriptures. It might be, in your case, five minutes of reading a verse, letting it be in your mind throughout your day, and praying with occasional times where that goes really up, and then it kind of flows back. But we need to plan for day to day for however many years you're going to live. The reason that Sunday morning is significant is not so that you can all come listen to my sermon. It's not so that you can check a box and go, yes, I made it to church. I'm good. It's because we need the regular rhythm and touch point of being in worship with others. It's because we need this set-aside time to worship. Plan for the long haul. That's his second one. And then lastly, he says this. Go back into your text if you're following along. He says in verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. His last one is, fix your eyes on Jesus. But he means something by that. It's not just to be fixated on something. So as most of you, maybe all of you know, my son Kelton is autistic. He can become fixated on things. This morning, his fixation was he had pulled out his iPad, and he has begun to play Minecraft with all of us, my other children and myself, and he comes into the world with us, and we all play, and it's awesome to watch him run around and everything. And However, when we're not all in the world, our stuff is not there either. And so he, all morning, was going, Sissy's house, Bubba's house, T-Bird's house, Dada's house. He wanted to go find our houses in Minecraft, and he did this. 30 minutes. I mean, the rest of us, after like five minutes, even those of us who know how to complain and grumble, we still can't keep doing it that long. He can just go and go and go. That's not this. He doesn't mean to fixate. He gives us description where he says, consider. It is where you set your mind. What do you think on? What do you meditate on? What do you look at in order to inspire yourself? He says, I want you to look at Christ. He has already run this race. He's the author and perfecter. He has created the path that's marked out. We're following after him. He's at the finish line waiting for you to come in to say, well done. And he suffered great opposition and yet remained faithful. Look and consider and think on him so that he can inspire and encourage your faith. My third object is this animal tracker. So my cat, as you know, got out for the second time. We found him, but he was gone for four days. And the entire family was just out of our minds And while I put on a really strong face most of the time, 
I was up at 3 o'clock every morning searching our house, looking out windows, hoping the cat was there. His absence greatly impacted all of us. And we handed out flyers, and somebody got a picture of him, and that lady called us, and we, he was in a, like a forested area behind her house. My daughter and I, at 9 o'clock at night, just made our way through this forest. And, I mean, it was, there were no trails. There's nothing in this. It's all underbrush. And you're, like, down like this, and you're just making your way through. And, you know, but you did it because you're trying to find this cat. And eventually we got this cat back. The cat now wears a tracker. <laughs> now, if you look at the size of this tracker, and you think of a cat's neck... It is not the most comfortable thing for that cat. I don't care. (laughs) And yes, the cat comes to me and I'm petting him and I'm like, oh my goodness, this looks so uncomfortable. And then what do I do? I consider that I had to tromp through the woods. I consider that at 3 o'clock in the morning I couldn't sleep. I'm not doing that again. (laughs) And it really does work. The reason I know that it works is because I got an alert that, now, this isn't actually my cats. It's my little dogs. Um, and the dog doesn't have it on right now because the dog just got neutered and he's wearing the cone and so we can't wear it. But like I got here and my phone went off and it said, your animal is out of the safe zone. And I'm like, oh no, I know what happened. And I open it up. He's in the church. <laughs> How did my cat get to the church? And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I'm carrying the dog's thing around. Never mind. <laughs> It works. (laughs) It also costs $144 a year per tracker. But every time I think about tromping through the woods again, losing the cat, it's totally worth it. That's what he means by fix your eyes on Jesus. Consider what he went through on a regular basis. Consider all he suffered, all he gave, all he taught, his compassion, the way he was. Consider that we're running this race together and we're including all the people that have come before us. And at the finish line is Christ. And as we do those things, we can run this race in a way we may never be able to run it otherwise. I thought the ending of her article was just really good. She said, running on a team felt good and different. It made it easy to break through the mental barriers I had been trapping myself behind when I was running just by myself. Think about that spiritually. What are some of the barriers in our lives spiritually that we just can't seem to get past? She said, I didn't even fully realize the mental games I was playing with myself until I started seeing running in a new light. The race not only taught me that running on a team makes for a totally different experience, one that I'm actually very into, but also that I am clearly capable of pushing myself more than I do. I just needed other people. We have each other. We have the cloud of witnesses that came before us. We have the Lord. And when those are the things that we will remember and focus on, when we will drop the crutches, pack for the journey, fix our eyes on Christ, 
we can run in ways we would never be able to run otherwise. Let's pray. Gracious Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you never give up on us. You are always faithful. You are always looking to pick us back up. You're always looking to show us your love. Lord, help us to see the great cloud of witnesses, especially your son, and then to throw off the hindrances. Help us to persevere in the race and to keep focused on Christ, that we might run differently than we'd ever be able to run without him. We ask this in his holy name. Amen.